We have been going through the series on the book of Acts. Pastor Ferks has been taking us, he has taken us from uh, through chapters 1 right up to chapter 7 and today, uh, uh, chapter 8, sorry. And today we are just going into chapter 8 and we are looking at the revival catalyst. From chapter 1 to 7, which Pastor Ferks took us, it was basically in Jerusalem and partly in Judea. And today we are moving into uh, Samaria. So, what has happened now is in the book of Acts, we are seeing what Jesus spoke to the disciples and what he commanded them. Basically, he told them to take the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea and to Samaria and on to the rest of the world, right? And so now we, have, we are looking at this stop in Samaria. What happened uh, in Jerusalem was that basically Stephen was martyred. He was killed by the Jewish mob. And after that, it kind of like just triggered or jump-started persecution. Persecution in Jerusalem, all right? So we'll be looking at that a bit. Three focal points today. The first one would be the persecution. Looking at the persecuted church in Jerusalem and what happened to them after that. And from there, we'll move on to see to focus on a single individual. You heard of Philip the Evangelist. This is not Philip the Apostle, but Philip the Evangelist. So we're looking at Philip the Evangelist. And after that, we'll be looking at a sorcerer. Three piece, the persecuted, the preacher, and the perplexed. <laughs> Let's not be perplexed, amen. Right, that's only 2% or 1% who doesn't want to be perplexed. Okay, the Spirit of God lives in us and we are not a perplexed bunch. We are an enlightened people. Amen. So let's jump in and see what happens. Yep. This would be our first focus, the persecuted. Let's read this together. All my scripture references this morning are from the Amplified Classic Translation. It's the 1974 uh, Amplified Version. Yeah, let's read it together. Now, Saul wholeheartedly approved of Stephen's death. And on that day, a great and relentless persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and the believers were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Interestingly, the apostles stayed back to take care of the church and the remnants. All right? But quite a large number of the church, believers in Jesus, scattered. They scattered in the sense that they fled to other parts, to other regions. Now, look at the numbers. This is Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. I'm going to take you back to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And this is what Jesus commanded the church. But you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses both in Judea, sorry, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. This is what Jesus commanded the church to do. And now, in chapter 8, we are seeing the realization of what Jesus had commanded the church to do. Obedience comes in many ways, sometimes as a means of necessity because of persecution, 
But I want us to focus on this interesting word, scattered. We saw that the believers were scattered in different, different places from, they went from Jerusalem into different, different places. The word scattered here is the Greek word diaspero. Diaspero. It comes from diaspora. Diaspora basically is uh, the, the English word. It's a Greek word that is translated in English to mean scattered or spread out, right? But diaspero simply means to scatter seed like a farmer does on soil prepared for sowing. That means a scattering that is deliberate. It's not a scattering where the seed is just thrown all over the place, but a scattering that is deliberate into a ground that is prepared for crops. Interesting, right? We know that God is not limited by time or space. We know that God stands outside that sphere of time and space. He knows the end from the beginning, right? So when persecution came, God was not shocked. What the devil means for evil, God is able to always turn it around for good. Amen? Believe that? We all have experienced God's goodness in one way or another. We are continuing to experience that awesomeness of God even today. And we will continue to experience His goodness till the day we meet Him face to face. Amen? So, scattered here is to scatter seed. It's a deliberate thing. It's not something that happened by accident. With God, there are no coincidences. There are no accidents. He plans, He executes, and He brings things to pass in His own time, at His own pleasure. Amen? Now, going on to chapter, uh, verse 4, Acts 8. Now those believers who had been scattered went from place to place preaching the word. They did not just chabot lari and forgot about what they stood for. They took the faith, lived the faith, carried the faith with them, and spread the faith. Back in school, I used to, years ago, we used to play this Bon Jovi song, right? Keep the faith. It's not so much about keeping the faith only, right? It's about scattering the faith. <laughs> Sowing it deliberately, boldly, trusting God to do the rest. Amen. And so when these guys ran off, in a sense, the lack of a better word, they scattered, right? They did not go into hiding and stop preaching the word. They told everyone about Jesus. And today... What they did 2,000 years ago has borne so much fruit that when we look at one another, we are, in a sense, the legacy of what has happened. What happened 2,000 years ago? The gospel came to us from what happened in Acts chapter 8. Amen. God's word cannot be quenched the work of God cannot be erased. That's why God is called the El Olam, the everlasting God. Amen? And like God, His word cannot be folded up and thrown off. It cannot be blankoed, erased, or deleted. God's word just keeps growing, growing, and growing. I was talking to a friend of mine from uh, another nation where believers in Jesus face extreme persecution. They can't meet in places like this. 
they can't carry Bibles. And so I asked him, how is the church in your nation? And he said, bro, we are growing so fast. In fact, he used a very unflattering term, but bear with me on this one. I'm just quoting what he said. He said, to those guys, they say, you guys are like cockroaches. We just can't kill you. Even if you drop a nuclear bomb in, on you, you just keep multiplying. Not a very flattering description, lah, but you catch his drift. Bottom line, sometimes it takes challenges for us to be focused on Jesus. Sad but true. Sad but true. Amen. So what happened here? They did not run into hiding. They took root. They thrived from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, where we're looking at today, and the rest of the world. I was just looking at this particular verse this morning and uh, the last few weeks met, I've met people who've got different, different challenges. Some have been persecuted for their faith. Some have been, uh, some parents have kind of like told them to go find other locations of uh, habitation, you know. Cari la rumah lain, you know. So, because of their faith in Jesus. It's either Jesus, either us or Jesus. You choose. Thank God, most of us did not have to come to that. We, could, we can, you know, it's so much easier for us to believe in Jesus, worship Jesus, come together and seek His face. So I was looking at this interesting verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Because one of my friends, I asked him, how do you deal with this? He said, bro, no matter what we are going through, God makes a way. I mean, we know this, right? But to come from this person who is in the cauldron, getting burned and getting cooked, tell me this, I was so encouraged. Sometimes we face different, different challenges. One time, you know, it's not so much about persecution, but I'm just going to bring it down to challenges that they face. I was speaking to one person who went to be with the Lord, who died the very next day. So I was visiting him in the hospital. And someone called, him, called me and said, can you please come and serve communion to this person? So I went and saw him and he grabbed my hand and he encouraged me. Sometimes we go there thinking that we are the fellas who are supposed to go and encourage others and all that, right? And even when you go for mission trips and all that, we think, wow, we're going to go there and bring the gospel to these lost folks, you know, who are bankrupt of God and all that. Actually, whenever we have gone for mission trips, we have been blessed by the folks there. And when I went to minister to this particular person, he grabbed my hand and he said, you know what, Ramesh, thank you so much for coming. I just wanted to worship God with you. I looked at him and I said, your house up there ready, is it? He said, yeah, ready. You sure? He said, yeah. Or else you'll have to live in a bus stop, I told him. It's just joking anyway. He said, yeah, looks like it's ready. And then he said, he shared this verse with me. He said this, what I am going through today, God is giving me the grace to go through this. God is giving me the strength to go through this. And he reminded me of a friend of ours who worked for a mission organization. And that time I was in school uh, many years ago, 1987. And he was um, basically kidnapped and no one ever found him again. You know, no one ever found him again. So 
he was working in an in a in a in an oil rich country and he got kidnapped by some people and after that no one found him again but what we know was he was preaching the gospel to some people and they were not so pleased with it so he this friend of mine reminded me of this person and he said look the end of the day we are put here by god to fulfill his purposes he owns us we don't belong to ourselves so the air we breathe the space we occupy is all because of god's grace you know and he shared this verse with me and again recently another friend shared this with me no temptation regardless of its source has overtaken or enticed you that is not common to human experience nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance but god is faithful to his word he's compassionate and trustworthy and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist but along with the temptation he has in the past and is now and will always provide the way out as well so that you will be able to endure it without yielding and you will overcome temptation with joy where the disciples the believers became martyrs even stephen right he was he, he uh, pastor folks shared about this last week stephen dies but as he is dying he's probably the only other person next to jesus who was being killed literally but prayed for the people who were killing him saying god do not hold this against them jesus said father forgive them for they know not what they do every other blood that was shed cried out for vengeance remember Abel died Cain killed him right and what did God tell Cain the blood of your brother cries out for vengeance from the ground the same thing even the blood of martyrs right if you read the book of revelation they cry out to God how long before you avenge us but only two persons you read in the bible one was Jesus father forgive them for they know not what they do Stephen do not hold this against them and then he said he sees and 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 if you look at the life of Saul now he starts persecuting the church but eventually Stephen's prayers are answered right he becomes the greatest evangelist possibly in the new testament interesting if someone is persecuting you today please remember to pray for him please remember to pray for him forgive him and pray for him is persecution a catalyst a catalyst for growth persecution caused or resulted i'm not saying that the, the disciples or the believers were not obedient to god but we saw that they they walked in obedience to god even though they ran off they did not recant they did not backslide or go into a state of apostasy they held on to the lord and persecution increased the gospel outreach when they went to different different parts the diaspora continued to spread the seed spread the word they kept and spread the faith and as a result God, jesus command in x18 was fulfilled today we are carrying that same seed carrying the life of god where we go realizing and fulfilling his word challenges are not designed to break us but how we respond to challenges rather than how we react to challenges define us because god empowers us 
to overcome. Amen. We've got friends who went through massive challenges and when they came out of it, they did tell us one person comes to mind who told me that, you know, if I had not gone through this, I would not have understood how people suffering similar challenges are able to hold on to their faith. But now that I've gone through this, I'm able to relate to them and I'm able to minister to others because of it. God does not waste any resource. He does not even waste your pain. He does not waste your experiences. God is such a brilliant economist, right? Minimal wastage. No wastage, zero wastage. Not the factories that you see with all this GMP and all that. Actually, God is the one who came up with zero wastage. Amen? Praise God. First P, the persecuted. The persecuted continued in their faith in Jesus and they carried out the exploits that Daniel 11.32 talks about. The people who know their God, it is the people who know their God that carry out exploits. Not the people who know about only, but the people who know their God. The preacher, Philip, he was one of the magnificent seven. He was one of the seven deacons in Acts 6. Verse 5, the first deacon in Acts 6 was Stephen. Of course, he was stoned. He was a good teacher of the word. He thought the word and the people who heard the word did not like it. So, it's a very interesting warning to the fellows who preach the word, right? If people don't like what you preach, you might be stoned. Okay. Pastor Ferg preached last week about the stoning. No one stoned him, so I guess we were also stoned. Okay, okay, praise God. He was one of seven deacons. He was the second deacon mentioned in the book of Acts. Uh, Acts 6, 5. He was a very effective evangelist. Even if you read in Acts 11, you know, he, it talks about even his daughters and all who, he had four daughters and his family were preachers of the word. He was not an apostle. But basically in the life of Philip, you see that a believer in Jesus who walks in obedience to the Lord is able to do the works that Jesus did. In fact, Philip did some greater works also. He was translated from one place to another, but I'll leave that to Pastor Ferks to share next week. Right? Ah, next, next week, sorry. Next week is camp. Yeah, please, please. Don't come, to ch don't come here next week. Yeah, okay. Um, he was an effective evangelist, but when you look at what he preached, Lots of times we are caught up in the spectacular. We want to see the fireworks. We want to see the spectacular stuff. We want to see miracles. We want to see the dead raised. We want to see the sick healed, the lame walk, the blind see. Praise God. All that is good and well. But if we are so caught up into only looking for the miracles, if we only start seeking for the signs, the devil also will start showing us some signs and we'll be left wondering what happened. Philip preached Christ. First and foremost, he preached Jesus. That is what he did. And when he preached Jesus, signs and wonders followed the preaching. Miracles followed the preaching. That's why I'm very, very wary about any preacher who comes in and starts with the miracles 
If there is no teaching of the word, there is no foundation, no basis for truth. In, in SIBKL at Sungai Buloh, we are very, very particular about this. Dogmatic, for the lack of a better word. The word has to be, a, what you preach has to line up with the word of God. Or else, you know, we don't buy it. Amen. Now, Philip the Evangelist, he preached to the Samaritans. He was walking in the footsteps of Jesus because Jesus also preached to the Samaritans. Remember the woman at the well that Jesus reached out to? How many of you all remember? John chapter 4. Just go back and read John chapter 4. Homework for today. He preached to the woman at the well who was a Samaritan. Basically, they were supposedly a despised bunch. Basically, the Samaritans were a mixed race and they came about from mixed marriages that occurred between Jewish and Gentile folks after Assyria captured the northern tribes and annexed them in 732 BC. They had their own system of belief that was more of a according to some commentators, corruption of the true uh, Judaism. True, true uh, what do you call it? Yeah, true Judaism worship. So they had their own temple, they had their own priesthood. And they were shunned by Jews. The Jews always considered them second class or third class citizens. They were like untouchables as far as Jews were concerned. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Where Jesus was telling these fellas, the this guy who went, goes down from Jericho, he gets set upon by some robbers and he gets beaten and stripped and, you know, and he's there dying. A Levite passes by, doesn't touch him. A priest passes by, doesn't even look at him. But a Samaritan comes and helps him out. So Jesus ministered to Samaritans. He talked about the Samaritans and he loved them. Now, Philip goes and ministers to the Samaritans. Acts 8. Verse 5, Philip the evangelist went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ the Messiah to them. If you look at the book of Acts, throughout the book of Acts, before any revival happens, before any town, any person is saved, any people group comes to know Jesus, the gospel is preached. The gospel is preached. The gospel is preached. The gospel went before them and saturated that environment, saturated the atmosphere. And then we saw Miracles, salvation, etc. So it is the preaching of the gospel. The gospel is the good news. The gospel is what displaces darkness. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. The crowds gathered and were paying close attention to everything Philip said as they heard the message and saw the miraculous signs which he was doing, validating his message for Unclean spirits, demons, shouting loudly were coming out of many who were possessed and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great rejoicing in that city. When the gospel of Jesus goes into any city, any town, any place, any life, any family, darkness is displaced, removed. Because as a means of necessity, right? When a weaker power confronts a greater power, a superior force. The weaker force has to make way. Amen? Is there a greater force than our God? No. No power bigger than our God. And when you invite God 
When you are fighting a battle, just invite God into the battlefield. Because when God steps into that battlefield, there is no more battle. Amen? There is no more battle. But God's word did. In Samaria, we see God's word that was preached by Philip. The word of God that was preached by Philip. He preached Jesus. He displaced, the word of God displaced darkness. The message proceeded to bring miracles, transform lives. And revival hit Samaria. Lots of times, I've got friends who have a very, very good roti chana and they say, wow, this is revival. I had a Manchester City fan send me a message this morning saying, bro, we are experiencing revival. We just made it to the FA Cup. Semis or finals. Finals. I didn't even bother to respond. I mean, I'm, I was not offended by Man City. I'm not a Man City fan, but... Correct, bro, correct. That's why someone, you know, when someone sent me a message and said, hey, Madrid trashed Liverpool, I was telling them, no, bro, Burnley has been beating us. <laughs> Leeds beat us too, I think, before the 6-1 thing, right? So anyway, <laughs> football is not revival, right? It is God's power and God's presence. I just want to share this with you guys. I want to just move out a bit before we jump into the perplexed so that we won't be perplexed, right? God spoke to us. Pastor Ferks, myself, the, our leadership, the church. In a sense, what we captured this year or received from the Lord is that this is going to be a milestone year for the church. So when you come in here, I want to share this with you. Let this be a milestone year for you. A milestone year of what God is going to be doing this year in you. Let this not be like any other year. Right? If you ask me what, someone asks me, hey bro, sometimes when you preach, it's very chill, right? You don't jump around and do a lot of stunts, right? Give me an electric, electric guitar and I'll show you. But let's forget that. We're not here to jump around and do stunts, lah. You know, the jumping, the Holy Spirit will do inside you. If you jump around and do stunts, I know God is working inside you. Amen. But the thing is this, we want you to catch what God is doing. God is moving us to another level. And when you come into this church, tap onto the anointing that is here. As you are standing here and worshipping God, draw that anointing and ask God to release that anointing over the lives of your family members and over your home. One day, I was at a prayer altar and the anointing was really strong. I could feel it, you know. I could just feel God's presence there and, 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 and people were weeping and, 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 and so many things were happening in that place. And I sat down there and, and, and I was just praying. A good friend of mine came to me and said, Ramesh, do you feel the presence of God in this place? I said, obviously, if you don't, I'll have to pray for you. I said, what do you think God is telling you? I didn't, you know, until, the, that when he, until he, he asked me that question, I didn't even process what God was speaking. I was just enjoying the presence of God, you know. And this is what I got from the Spirit of God. In my spirit, I felt this. God telling me, even as you are here, it was not even our church. It was in East Malaysia. Lah. We were praying. And, and I was thinking, God, can this same presence come over our church? Over the people that we are ministering to? 
God said, you can just release this presence even as you are praying right now. Because God is not limited by time or space, right? So as we were praying there, we remember to pray for some people. Experiment like you heard, right? So you want to be sure this is God or something else or your own self speaking. Sometimes we also imagine lots of things. So we prayed for someone and then marked down the time, you know. A few weeks passed, we came back already a few weeks passed and then I met this person and I asked him, hey, how are you doing? He said, oh bro, you know, something awesome happened and he talked about how a miracle happened in his life. And I asked him, when did this happen? When did this happen? And the time that he told me was exactly about that time where we prayed over there. I had forgotten about it for a while, you know. But then when I remembered it, see, God doesn't break his word. God is not limited by time or space. You can pray for someone in Malaysia for, you know, even if he's in Antarctica or somewhere, God can still reach out to him. Amen. God is good and God is for us. On to the perplexed. Now there was a man named Simon who previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. They all paid a great deal of attention to him. From the least to the greatest, saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. They were paying attention to him because for a long time he had mystified and dazzled them with his magic. He's not an entertainer. He's not one of those guys who pulls up a rabbit from a hat or, you know, he opens a head and some birds fly off. I don't know what sort of magic is happening out there now, so maybe I'm still in the 80s. So, right. But he was a sorcerer. He was a practitioner of witchcraft, operating with demonic power. All right. See what happened. Look at this. He was claiming to be someone great, he amazed the people of the city. And they paid a great deal of attention to him, from the least to the greatest. And he was called the great power of God. In a sense, one rendering says that he was called the great power of God. He was called the great power of God. People were thinking, or rather he was making himself out to be, quote unquote, God over that place. He was like the ruling spirit over that place. The power that was controlling that atmosphere, the spiritual atmosphere over that place. They were paying attention to him because for a long time in Samaria, he had mystified and dazzled them with his magic. One translation basically, or one rendering of mystified and dazzled is, he captured their imagination. Okay? captured their imagination. He had taken captive their thought and in a way manipulated them towards meeting his own personal needs. He was controlling these guys. He kept the city focused on himself. He claimed to have God-like powers. He had demonic powers and he was doing lots of miracles. He manip manipulated the whole city into honoring him practice magic or witchcraft, he performs signs and wonders. When he performs signs, again, people are left wondering. But what happens? When God comes into that place, 
power changes hands. When God comes into that place, power changes hands. I'm going to ask you a question. We all live in houses, right? Okay, even if you live in caves, it's okay. No problem, no problem, no problem. The last time I asked this question, someone told me, bro, we live in houses, of course, not caves, right? But anyway, the thing is this. What is the controlling power over the atmosphere of your home? Or who is boss over your home? Is this the power? Is it the power of God? Or is it some other spirit? Many years ago, we were renovating our house. So I was standing on the balcony of my house and looking out the window, you know. And one of my neighbors, who is from another faith, he was helping us with the renovation. He's a very close friend of mine, very, very good guy, real decent man. So he was there and we were looking around and there were this bunch of people, you know, they, they walk around our houses every morning. They go for their walks and exercises and all that. And every time they go, they'll be lifting up their hands and doing this, doing that, you know. I thought, wow, these guys, why can't they just go to a padang and do it? Lah? You know, what do, they want? what do they need to walk around our houses? So he tells me, Ramesh, you see all these guys walking around? I said, yeah, I see them. What about them? He said, do you know that they are capturing the atmosphere around this neighborhood? I said, what? Capturing the atmosphere? You mean that's why he's doing all that? Yeah, we, he's re- releasing what is inside him, he says. Whatever powers he has inside him, whatever, he used another term for it. They're releasing it so that it will clear the atmosphere. See, he thinks that they're doing a good work. Clearing the atmosphere. I'm like, oh, he's clearing the atmosphere. Okay, 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 that's good. Then he told me something that really woke me up. I was like, whoa, okay, clearing the atmosphere. And he says this. If some evil guy captures the atmosphere in front of your house, even if you have all the means of dealing with it, you will not be able to influence the proceedings around your house simply because you chose to be inactive. You chose to ignore what was happening. You chose not to use what you had inside you, he said. I think God spoke to me through this fella. I said, okay, thank you very much. I told him, I got what you meant. And he thought that I was... You know, not I, that I did not really capture what he said, but actually I did, I did, I did. So I went for breakfast first with him, sent him off. The next morning, I went up to that place and I started praying and said, God, I saturate, I invite the presence of Jesus over my balcony. I invite the presence of Jesus over, I said, number 33, BRP 1 stroke 12. And I walked up and down the street and prayed. You know what? It did change the atmosphere. One time there was a, there was a stretch of a, of a road along my, my home where every Tuesday afternoon from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. in a week, you will have an accident. And this continued for about two over years. And one day I woke up to this when someone told me, bro, you better go do something about it. What, me? I said, what do you want me to do? Put a signboard there, is it? Got enough signs there, what? And this guy said, no, you go there. You carry the presence of God, right? 
said, yeah, okay, in theory, lah, right? This is many years ago. She said, you go there, take anointing oil and anoint that space. I said, oh, you're sounding very Catholic, but okay, lah, let me think about it. I said, no, you better do it today. I said, okay, I'll do it. On one condition. Say, what's that? You come with me. And he said, okay, I'll come. Then I called two more friends. That afternoon, from the time he called me at 9.45 a.m., stop eating. We all met at around 11. We prayed till about 1.45. And we walked. It's super hot. You know, like my color already, my wife probably thought I, shade, I, I turned two, color, two shades darker. But we decided to walk along that road, pray, touch the ground, and cancel every authority the enemy had over that road and ask God to release his angels over that space. You think this was a mad or what, man? Right? No, we are not mad. We are called to release the presence of God. So we release the presence of God over that place. You know what? For a long time, not even an animal got knocked down there. Until this day, there have been no accidents that where people died. No fatalities. Simply because somehow my friend woke up, he woke me up, some of us went and prayed over that place and declared the Lordship of Jesus over that place. It's leading up to my, my home. It's about three, two, three kilometers away from my house. I'm going there. So I have authority over this place. Right? I can't go into my neighbor's house and pull out his plants from his yard. But this is, this comes under my purview in a sense. So I'm able to deal with it. Are you able to go around your house and release the presence of God? Take some believers with you. Maybe you need to borrow some of your cell members to come and pray with you. Lend your faith, lend your strength. Go and pray. I have friends who come and tell me, you know, they have, what, what, what do they call that? Sleep paralysis. You know, when they're sleeping, some, some spirit sits on them and starts choking them. I said, oh, okay. And then some fellas had a lot of different, number one, make sure that you clean your life of sin life. You're living in sin and doing things that give access to the enemy into your life you will get beaten up. But if you're living right and still these things are happening, stop this. Stop this in Jesus' name. So we told them, you start doing this, you start praying, you declare the Lordship of Jesus over the atmosphere of your home. Revoke the tenure of any evil spirit that has access over your home. Ah, how many of you are going for camp? Next week. Can I see all your hands, please? Okay, praise God. When you go into your room in the hotel, do this. Put your hands on the floor and say, Father, in Jesus' name, I invite you into this room. I ask that you forgive any sin committed in this room, in this atmosphere, in this place by anyone, dead or alive. Ask God to forgive every sin in that place because sin draws the devil inside you may not have committed that sin but sin is the access point for the enemy to come once you ask God to forgive you cleanse that place you erase the iniquity with the blood of Jesus and then you declare the Lordship of Jesus over that place that's it I guarantee you you sleep well unless the fellow sleeping next to you snores loudly <laughs> alright Praise the Lord. 
praise the Lord. Are you guys able to see that? Okay, I'll have to look at this. Just bear with me on this one. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. The same thing happened. The same thing will happen with regards to your house. Sanctify the atmosphere with the blood of Jesus. If you're getting nightmares, continual nightmares for no reason. Why? The enemy wants to disturb your sleep, disturb your focus, take away your peace. When Philip came and preached the word of God, immediately we saw miracles, immediately we saw darkness dispelled. Now this fellow, Simon, when he saw a greater power come in, he was amazed. Look at this. When they believed Philip, these people, the Samaritans, right? When they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, both men and women. When the gospel came, the gospel does not distinguish between classes of people, people groups. As far as God is concerned, we are all, we stand equal in His sight. So the Samaritans received the word of God. Even, verse 13, even Simon believed Philip's message of salvation. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And as he watched, they're testing signs and great miracles taking place. He was constantly amazed. The next verse, next slide, please. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them. This is, we are going further down. Now, the earlier part was where they received Jesus. Now, Peter and John visited Samaria. They were so impressed and so encouraged that God was touching the Samaritans, ministering to them and delivering them. And now, Peter and John come. They lay hands on them. And as they lay hands on these this Samaritans one by one, they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Very rich, this guy. He thought he could buy everything with money. I know that's, 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 you guys have heard of the word called simony. Simony, kan? S-I-M-O-N-Y. Simony. It is offering money in exchange for position in a church. In a church. It's called simony. So it was coined from Simon's act here. Ah, the attempt of Simon. Interesting, huh? And Simon says, Give me this authority and power too, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. See, earlier he was the great power over the town, right? Now, Philip comes and exposes him to be, in a sense, a charlatan, perhaps a lesser power, inferior. God's power comes in, the enemy chavots. Now he thinks he can buy God's power. He thinks God can be bought. He knew about God. He knew God he, not. He knew about God, but he did not know God. Sad, later Peter rebukes him and Peter tells him that, look, your money perish with you. But 
Peter said to him, may your money be destroyed along with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this matter because your heart, that is your motive or your purpose, is not right before God. This is something that anyone who comes to God focusing on the giver rather than the gift will face. The next slide, please. Thank you. People ask, was Simon's salvation genuine? The Bible says he was saved, he was baptized. Was it genuine? Perhaps. But his emphasis was he was coveting the signs, wonders and gifts. Meaning he wanted to be able to perform those signs, those, those wonders and the gifts. He was not looking at the person who died for him, the person who purchased salvation for him. His emphasis was on the miracles, on the spectacular, but not the person, not the spirit, sought the seeker. I mean, he sought the gift, not the giver. Now he tries to buy the gift and he gets rebuked. Whatever gift God has deposited in us is for someone else. It is not for us. It is never for us. No one person has it all where the church is concerned. But when you look at every church at any single time, when you look at a church, whatever that church needs to operate, whatever that church needs to fulfill God's design, plan, and destiny for the church, is already in the mix. We know what happened to Simon. He was rebuked by Peter and told to repent. Beyond that, church history says that he kind of like, you know, he was associated with agnosticism and Gnosticism and so many other things. So I don't know where to go from there, where Simon is concerned. But suffice to say, for us, looking at this, where God is concerned, let us be a people who does not look at the hand of God, but the face of God. Seek the face not what the hand has. When you seek the face of God, you would never, never lose out. You would never lose out. You know, uh, for us, today, there are two things we always, I mean, I always share this. If you do not have challenges, I'm not talking about persecution per se. If you do not have challenges and you're having it all you know, smooth and you live in a bed of roses, minus the thorns, huh? remember? Then two things have happened. One, you are dead. Or you have been completely swallowed up by the devil to the point where he sees you as no threat. But if you are faced with challenges, you are doing something right. You are on the right track. So be encouraged. 
the believers who were persecuted they ran away they walked in obedience to god and they saw god move the persecuted the preacher he went to samaria and god sent him to many other places but he believed in the word he was a deacon he's not an apostle but god performed so many signs through this guy god can minister to a town to a city through a large congregation through a church through a people group or through one person philip is proof of that god can transform a family a community a nation through one person the perplexed let us not be perplexed let us not be a people who seek after signs and wonders but let us be a people who seek after god and remember this I want to ask you this you don't have to lift up your hands do you have a systematic bible reading plan from which you are feeding your spirit if you don't already please start one if you don't already please start one because if you do not have any idea what god is speaking to you we as believers have been parachuted from the war plane behind enemy lines without the word you will not be able to receive any info or message from the headquarters you just be blind you perish I want us to just get to our feet today. Can we please? Can I have the worship team please? Thank you. Next slide please. Thank you. God comes to Samaria. The preaching of the word saw people saved. In filling of the Holy Spirit, lives transformed and revival came. Let's pray this morning. that God will bring a revival in our lives firstly and also to pray for our neighbors those who have not encountered Jesus those who are hungering and thirsting for a touch of God if there is someone who comes to mind a friend a relative an acquaintance who you know needs Jesus this morning i want you to just put one hand on your heart and lift up the other hand to god and say god i want you to touch him i want you to minister to him i pray for open doors into his life for the gospel to ex- access it i pray for open mind so that any mind blinding spirit that is preventing the gospel from going in that pure and adulterated gospel will be ripped off from over that person's life so that his mind will be able to receive the word of god evaluated for its purity and its truth and open heart so that that heart will receive that seed of salvation this morning finally open heaven over that person so that that person whether a man or woman 
once he has received the Lord, she has received the Lord, will not fall away. But will continue to see open heaven throughout the rest of their days. Let's just pray. We're going to be praying in the Spirit. This is the prayer language. And this was the evidence that Simon the magician saw when Peter and John laid hands on the Samaritans. Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters and myself, Father, every one of us who have heard the word here this morning would receive a fresh anointing, would receive a fresh touch from you today. Forgive us and cleanse us, Lord, for our sins of areas in our lives that are not pleasing to you. Forgive us and cleanse us, Father, the areas where we have not been obedient to you, Father. And this morning we erase any excess the enemy has into our lives, into our families, into our church, into our communities in Jesus' name. We ask for a fresh outpouring of your presence. That you would be our ultimate reality. That we would be able, Lord, to understand your word. We will understand your word and preach your word boldly. We would not shirk from preaching your word. We would not shirk away from telling others about Jesus. I wanted to ask you this. When is the last time you told someone about Jesus? Someone who does not know the Lord. But you can ask yourself that this morning and ask God for grace. Ask God for boldness. The name of Jesus is the name by which you and I are called. Even as we sing this song, I want you to focus on yourself now. We pray for others. I want you to focus on yourself now. Your family, your need, or someone you're standing in proxy for this morning. As we sing this song, what a powerful name. Invite that name, submit to that name, affirm the authority of that name over your life and your situation. Because everything every challenge, every situation that has a name must bow and will bow to the name of Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, we bless and worship you. We give you praise. We honor you. And this morning, even as we have heard your word, we pray that your word will take root in every single life to bring forth your design, to bring forth your desire, to bring forth your delight in each one of us. Father, if there be anyone with any need this morning, whatever that need be, whether it is for us or we are standing in proxy for someone else, Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you meet them at the very point of their needs. There is a need for healing, release your anointing, Father. There's a need for a provision, release your anointing. Whatever it be, Father. We thank you that the name of Jesus is the banner over our lives. Just pray a blessing over my brothers and sisters. 
that Lord, our lives will not be the same again because of your word in us. And this year, we will fulfill the destiny that you have ordained for us. No devil, no man, no woman, no demon, no beast can thwart what you have begun in us and what you plan to do in us. There will be no circumvention of our destinies. There will be no delays or postponements of our destinies. There will be total fulfillment of our prophetic and redemptive destiny even this year and every year that follows. We bless you and worship you, God. In Jesus' name. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with us now and always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord.